It's April 25th from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's Steinberg along with you. Going to have arena news for you later this hour on Flames Talk. We will uh, take you to Victoria Park later this hour and uh, get you the news conference with our mayor, with John Bean of CSEC, and a whole lot more. Uh, there could be some other big names that are uh, at this news conference as well as a deal is done, and we'll get the details on a new arena in Calgary a little bit later on this hour. Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon, wherever you get your podcast. That's later this hour, but let's kick it off in a big way. we got lots of Flames things to talk about with our NHL insider and uh, a whole lot more around the 2023 Stanley Cup playoffs. It's time to say hello to Frank Saravalli. Brought to you by South Trail Chrysler with inventory shortages across the city. It's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Frank joins us now from Daily Faceoff and DailyFaceoff.com. Hello, sir. How are we doing? Uh, pretty good, Mr. Steinberg. How are you? I'm doing very well. I, uh, I'm, I'm curious. It was a week ago that you and I last spoke, which was a day after the bombshell news of Brad True Living and yeah. the Flames no longer being part of, uh, no, no longer being together and Brad stepping away from the organization. And now since that time, more and more buzz about the future of Daryl Sutter as head coach of this team and, and more and more uncertainty about the future of Daryl Sutter. I'm just curious as to what you're hearing. What's your read on the head coach's future right now? I, I don't really have an update, to be honest with you. Like, And to be honest, haven't heard a lot. Um what are you hearing on your end? Let's put it back to you. So essentially, I think that this review that Don Maloney spoke about, I, I think that they were a little, I'm trying to think of the right word, not maybe off guard, but definitely were taken aback by what they heard in some of the exit meetings and some of what was said by players when uh, they spoke to management at the end of the regular season. And and since that point, I think that they're really taking a hard look as to what the best way forward is and and. So I think this review is more than just lip service. I don't think this is just a, oh, yeah, yeah we're doing a review because we missed the playoffs. I, I, I honestly think the, the, the buzz around here, Frankie, is that th- this is like a, a legit internal audit and the future of the coaching position is a big part of that audit. It should be. Again, I, I've been saying for weeks, if not months, that – the coaching aspect of where this team heads next is a critical part of determining the future for some players. It's already been a critical part of determining uh, the the general manager position of the team. And I guess my question is how much of a real audit is there in the sense that a lot of these same things could have come up and been discussed with Brad Tree living as general manager still. Mm-hmm. And yet they're not. He's essentially, at least on an interim basis, been replaced by a guy that he's extremely close with in Don Maloney, going back to the Phoenix slash Arizona Coyotes franchise. I mean, how different is Don Maloney's opinion than Brad Tree Living's in the sense that Brad Tree Living clearly wanted a coaching change and a lot of other people around the organization wanted a coaching change and and weren't able to make one at this juncture. So I'll tell you, I think it's interesting that Daryl Sutter still hasn't addressed the media. I don't know if he will. I don't either. Is he, is he waiting on a firm vote of confidence to come back and, and, and finally say so? I think the org is, is basically right now they'll roll him out when if, if the future is decided and it's decided that he will remain as this team's head coach, then I think that we'll hear from him. And, and if they don't decide that, then we won't because they'll go in a different direction. I, I think, honestly, that's, that's what we're looking at right now is, is kind of what the, the read is from on the ground here. And I get that part of it, but... I still don't understand the timing of it. 
Like, let's say this plays itself out and Daryl Sutter is not coming back. Mm -hmm. Then why isn't Brad Tree Living coming back? Yeah, I, I think that's a really I fair like, question. It makes no sense to me. It doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, and, and I think that um, I, I wonder if, yeah, I, I wonder if when it's all said and done, if that is the way that it ends up going, if uh, there's some, you know, kicking of the kicking of themselves saying, man, if we would have done this before, I don't know. Um, and maybe it was time for a change and maybe that's part of it too. Like Brad tree living had a long run mm -hmm. relatively speaking to other managers in the league. Maybe that's part of it. And I'm sure deep down somewhere there was some, you know, question himself as to whether coming back or not was the right thing for himself, for his family, for the team, for yeah. everyone. I just, I guess my question is how real is the review? Like how much power does Don Maloney and his group have to really actually make a change? Well, and, and I think, I think it goes right to the top. I think, you know, Murray Edwards, who is also later this hour going to be involved in a significant uh, arena announcement. But I think this goes all the way to the top when it comes to the review. I, I really, really do. And, and I think, sure. I, I think it makes when, sense. I mean, him and Daryl have a relationship that supersedes yep. everyone. Yep. And, and there's, a significant m amount of money on the table that is owed to Daryl on the two-year extension that you broke down for us uh, last week, right? I, I guess. I don't... It shouldn't factor in. I know that it will, but anytime you get caught up in making a decision on an $8 million coach, and that's the totality of his extension, against an $83.5 million roster potentially for yeah. next season, yeah. I think you really get yourself into trouble. I, I agree completely. And... and you know, I, I I also think that you get yourself into trouble if you hire a general manager and and don't allow that GM to make his own coaching decision. Yeah, I think that I think that's, that's that's what made this whole next thing tough. Yeah, is whoever comes in next if they make the decision that they're keeping the you know the, if Calgary Sports and Entertainment makes the decision that they're keeping Daryl Sutter. Who wants to come in as the next coach knowing that you're or next GM knowing that you're inheriting a bulletproof coach? The only way you could do it is say, for now, he's our coach and the new and then and then actually give the new general manager the autonomy to make that call. And he comes in, reads the situation, and and makes that decision. That's that's the only way, in my eyes, that you could make it so it's a tenable situation. I guess. Tenable like I think you're putting your G, your next GM in a losing position to start. If if they go that way, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I do, and and I also think to be totally candid, the whole idea of promoting Don Maloney to hockey ops president, I don't, I don't know that that makes any sense. In what sense? Like, well, why, why go down that path? First off, why? Like, what's what's the reasoning to do so? Is it for stability as an interim president presence? Is it for the long term? Just given part of what I, I mentioned just about the relationship in terms of it feels like a lot of the same. And so if you really did want to start fresh, is is Don Maloney really the guy to do it? And second, if you have a GM coming in, let's say from the outside which we don't know is going to happen. Mm -hmm. But if you were going to go from the inside, you should have just promoted Craig Conroy right from Jump Street instead of now have this sort of open question period where it feels like you're essentially broadcasting to everyone that you're not sure that he's the guy, which is an unfair position to put him in, especially after his service to the organization and all the different facets of the operation that he's already worked on and touched. But if you're let's like let's just game this out hypothetically. Like if you're bringing someone in from the outside, like so you you have someone that's your boss above you, who may or may not have final say in in hockey ops decisions, and you have a potential bulletproof coach that works for you. How much autonomy does this next person really have? Yeah. 
why? I just thought I, that's my big question is why? No. And I, 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 I think it's a fair question. And, and the only other thing that I would add to that, I do think part of it is stability. Uh, absolutely. Um, I do think part of it is, is making sure that they have somebody senior in place so that in, in their eyes, they can make sure they do their due diligence on is who the necessary? new GM is going to be. I, I, I don't know. I just, I think that. So I look at the Pittsburgh Penguins right yeah. now. Okay. They, they gas Brian Burke and Ron Hextall, president of hockey ops and GM. And in the meantime, what they've said that they're doing to run the show between now and whenever they get their next people in place is they have their director of uh, hockey strategy and, and salary cap, Alex Shaw, their director of hockey operations, Eric Heasley, and their head coach, Mike Sullivan, along with another hockey operations assistant and Andy Saucier, those four guys are running the show until whenever that happens. Right. You mean to tell me that instead of promoting Don Maloney, that Craig Conroy, Don Maloney as advisor, uh, Brad Pascal, and Chris Snow couldn't run the show between now and then? Yeah, I, I think I think they absolutely could. Um, so what? So what's the need for this quote unquote stability? The last. All I think you end up doing is hamstringing yourself for no reason. The last thing that I would say is I think they really, um, as an org, I think they liked it when Burke was here as kind of that conduit between hockey ops and ownership, and I think that's also why with a lot of instability. And kind of being at a crossroads, they decided to go with kind of a senior guy in that position who's been in the league a long time. Because I I do feel like they they want a little bit of a, a buffer between ownership and and hockey ops. I wonder a little bit if that's part of why Maloney was installed as president of hockey ops as well. I guess it just feels like a reach. I mean, I I, I always I look at it this way and I say. In a lot of situations and circumstances, and I'm not saying or predicting that there's going to be trouble here because there are some that do it and get along just fine. Right. I think the situation gets murky, and I think you muddy the water for no reason by having a two-headed monster. Have one person that's in control and has complete autonomy. To think that these these people can't manage up and, and be a conduit and, and have meetings or answer the phone or run things by ownership and whoever that might be on, on the business side, you know, John Bean as president and CEO, whatever, whoever it may be. It just seems short-sighted to me that that's not a possibility. Yeah, it is a, uh, it is a fascinating time, man. And then you throw in, you throw in what we heard 10 days ago or so from certain key players and you've got guys like Elias Lindholm and Michael Backlund specifically being super non-committal about their futures with the organization. It just, we're, we're at a, we're at a significant crossroads with the team right now. There's, there's no doubt about it. And so now we're eight days in and we have no, not, not saying like you need to put it in place. I think you should take time to make sure you get it right. But there's a lot of things to unpack, and I have no sense at all that Calgary has begun any sort of search. I'm not saying you need to. I'm just saying, what is, what is the plan? And who is going to answer publicly as for what the plan is? Yeah, I, and I, I, I think for now it would be Maloney. Oh, I, I yeah, but I'm saying, like, how about you start with the coach part of it? Right, like whether it be coming Staying to a decision. Or going. Like, this yeah. isn't like a three-week or, or six-week-long thing to figure out. Yeah. No, I, I think what's I think that really is the clear next to me to is that out. there's yeah. writing on the wall from everyone involved of what the correct thing to do is. Right. Yeah, I, I and I do think that I'm kind of on high alert every day right now. I'll say that much. Like I'm kind of on high alert, whether it be uh, a new general manager, although to your point, it feels like that's still a little ways out or whether it comes to, uh, Hey, Daryl Sutter will be made available today at 11 AM or there's a news conference or I get a notification from Frank Saravalli on my phone that says the, the flames and Daryl Sutter are parting ways. I'm 
Definitely what on high alert. I get a, a notification on my phone that Pat Steinberg says Walker Dewar is getting a new contract. <laughs> I mean the I, I that that was cool. Don't get me wrong, but you know the 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 Sutter news is um kind of the the one that everybody's yeah waiting everyone's on waiting on that. <laughs> but thank you, uh, Frank Saravalli's with us. He's our daily faceoff NHL insider. Uh, that's the flame side of things. Let's move league wide, my friend, and um. I guess I guess let's start with the news of Tuesday following Colorado's overtime loss to Seattle on Monday in Game 4 and a one-game suspension to Kale McCarr for his hit on Jared McCann, who will miss Game 5 of this series in Denver. What, uh, what was your thought on the one-game suspension for McCarr? Felt like it should have been more, and I, I think people are going to – maybe turn a side eye to that and say, well, hold on a second. Like if that happened and Jared McCann wasn't injured, what are we even talking about? Right. But he was injured and now he's missing game five at the very least and has the potential to miss the rest of the series, at least according to Dave Haxall. I just, I don't think there's any room for it. Like I think if you're Kale McCarr and you're going to, you know, crush a player into the boards. It's on you to know where the puck is. Mm-hmm. And if the puck's out of play, that's that's your problem. And I don't see this hit being any different than the Michael Bunting hit on uh, Eric Chernak. Yeah. In fact, I thought Eric Chernak, or sorry, uh, Michael Bunting's three-game suspension was, there wasn't any precedent for it. Right. I thought it was two games max. And I especially don't understand how the officials on the ice, and let me be very clear in terms of the caveat and separation here, the hockey ops department, which helped review that hit on the, the iPad in at the scorer's table, they're in Toronto in the situation room, not at all connected to the Department of Player Safety, which is in a different war room in New York City that has a completely different staff and is clipping it and is totally separate. But how you could make the decision in real time on video review that Kale McCarr is not worthy of a five-minute major, and yet he is then worthy of suspension for the same thing. Yep. And then how does it end up being so vastly different than what Bunting got for another interference play this playoffs it it just I it does not compute. I'm yeah. sorry. Agreed. And I'm not one of these people that's usually critical of either the officiating or the Department of Player Safety. No, this one but it was super weird that they brought in hockey ops and, and the war room or whatever to review the play, deemed it was a minor, not a major, and then suspend him the next day. It was the 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 messaging is very strange. It at the very least, it's a fundamental disagreement between how hockey ops sees it and how the department of player safety sees it. And I don't think it's clear cut any which way as to what's right and what's wrong, but the whole thing feels disjointed. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. A hundred percent. Um, 3-1 3-1 series lead now for the Maple Leafs. Another overtime win, and, and that one was stunning on Monday night to erase a 4-1 deficit and come back and win 5-4 in overtime. So I'll ask you this. is Are you ready to say this is a different Toronto Maple Leafs team? Yes, I am. Um, they, they showed me something in Game 4 that has been totally missing from their group for the last number of years. And you could say they did it in game three as well with the comeback and Ryan O'Reilly scoring the game tying goal. But for the first time in the playoffs that I can remember watching, Austin Matthews looked like a killer. Yeah, He had his signature playoff moment, uh, scoring twice as part of that comeback. He had the swagger, the intensity, the, I'm not going to be denied, you know, F you part of it that I think you really need. Um, and, you know, when you, you look at the rest of the team, you know, to battle back and get to OT and then put your foot down in the, in the OT session, nine shot attempts to one. I mean, to me, that's the game that the Leafs hadn't won in past years. Yep. Like it was almost predictable. 
they won game three that they probably shouldn't have. And you're sitting there, you know, five minutes into the third period. I actually called someone who mentioned this to me. They said, Hey, uh, another front office executive in the league. And they said, Hey, um, yeah, this was like, I saw this coming from a million miles away, lightning up four to one series is going to be tied. You know, sphincters are going to be clenched in Toronto again. It's all happening again, again, again. And then they find a way to break through. And I just think there's this perfect synergy that exists between, you know, it's all come full circle from 10 years ago yeah. against the Boston Bruins. You can even match up the times that the goals were scored. It's kind of amazing to see how eerily similar it is. Even the, the goal that was scored in OT, very similar time frame, where they blew their own four to one lead in Boston and then now do it to a team that's been to three straight Stanley Cup finals. And by the way, Pat, the other part of this, as impressive as Toronto was, is how absolutely awful the Lightning were. Yeah. So I not like cooked. them. Yep. So not like them. And you know, it's funny. We, we came into this playoff saying, okay, w- always like you're always safe to bet on John Cooper and that group of players and that team who's been to three cup finals. And, and I was completely with you. I actually is- said this on the phone last night. I was like, oh, Austin Matthews just scored. And my buddy was like, ah, oh, yeah, they're fine. 4-2. They're like, Vasilevsky's not going to give up three more in a span of eight minutes. Yeah. And then next thing he did. Um, okay, last thought. And that's on Edmonton and Los Angeles with Game 5 Tuesday night in Edmonton. How are you feeling about this series after Edmonton completed the comeback in Game 4 to keep this series very much in the balance? Edmonton could do well to make life easy on themselves. Yeah. They have not done that this series, blowing game one. They've had to sort of battle back at various turns, even though for the most part, I think if you were to balance things out on play, they've probably been the better team in the series. And I think they're the better team overall. Uh, You know, they have a real chance to take hold of this and, and not have to make life super strenuous on themselves. Leon Dreisaitl is a playoff beast. I think he's cementing himself as one of the best all-time playoff players. I know the sample size isn't there, but to explode to 1.65 points per game when your career average is a whole half point less than that is incredibly impressive. And, you know, the Kings, though, I think we've learned there's not really a whole lot separating the Kings from the Oilers and really the Kings from the class of the Western Conference. So I I certainly don't discount anything that L.A. has done either, but they should have been able to lock down that game, much like the Lightning should have been in Game 4. Good stuff, my friend. Appreciate the uh, conversation and uh, how candid you are every single time. We'll uh, talk again next week and enjoy Tuesday night's action, hey? I don't take a single hit off. No, Just try, and, try and bring it every week. And if not, do. what's the reason for having me? Exactly. We bring it every single week. That's why we. That's why it's must-listen, my friend. Have yourself a good one. You too. Thanks, Frank. Frank Saravalli is our daily face-off NHL insider. He joins us Tuesdays on Flames Talk, Thursdays on The Big Show, and he joins us brought to you by South Trail Chrysler. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, we are going to head to Victoria Park very shortly. In fact, uh, almost immediately as this hour continues. Mayor Gondek is up at the podium. Let's hear from her. An arena deal is set for the city of Calgary. Let's listen to our mayor, Mayor Gondek, kicking off a live news conference on Flames Talk right now. Apparently, we have an announcement to share with you. Oki Ambawastich, Daranastara, Tanshe, and good afternoon, everyone. Greetings to all of you in the mother languages of the indigenous peoples who cared for this land for countless generations before we settled here. 
This is the original territory of the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Siksika, Pikani, and Gaina First Nations. This is also the land of the Ithaca, Stony, Nakoda, including Chiniki, Bearspaw, and Good Stony First Nations, as well as Sutina First Nation. This place of confluence at the intersection of the Elbow and Bow Rivers is also a traditional homeland to Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3, and is a place that many Indigenous urban Calgarians call their home. I appreciate everyone coming together today for a very special announcement. After a unanimous vote of council in January of 2022, directing administration to reimagine a way to advance the construction of a replacement facility for the aging saddle dome, a great deal of work has taken us, has taken place to bring us to this milestone day. In fact, during the last 15 months of fostering trusting relationships with partner organizations and generating different scenarios for mutual success, we have been able to reach a place where we have exceeded the original goal. Today, I'm very pleased to share with you that the City of Calgary has reached agreements in principle with the Province of Alberta, Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation, and Calgary Stampede to proceed with the Rivers District Master Plan supporting the development of Calgary's Culture and Entertainment District. Council approved. Please feel free. Now, Council approved these agreements in principle just this afternoon in a unanimous vote. This is a generational investment in placemaking, creating space for community to gather. This entertainment hub will feature a new event center and a community arena, along with critical infrastructure required to support growth and development. We will be able to improve transportation connections, including the 6th Street underpass, and multiple street and public realm improvements. We will also be able to create both indoor and outdoor gathering spaces for Calgarians, which translates to more community-based programming for families to enjoy a day out, as well as creating an immersive festival experience for folks who are attending conferences and events. This exciting project will be brought to life through a partnership that sees a contribution of $537.3 million from the City of Calgary, $356 million from Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation, $330 million from the Province of Alberta, and a land swap with the Calgary Stampede. We are building upon momentum with this announcement. In East Village alone, a $400 million initial investment by the city since 2007 has generated $3 billion in private investment to date. The Rivers District Master Plan is based on a solid vision that produces solid results. Today's announcement builds on that success and it stands to attract more hotels, more restaurants, businesses and homes to this area. That means more jobs during construction and ultimately during attractions that will be happening at both the BMO Conference Facility and the Event Center. This is another signal to the market that Calgary is making strong investments into its future. In closing, I'm grateful to the team in city administration and our consultants at CAA ICON for working tirelessly and staying focused on delivering a deal structure that benefits Calgarians. To our partners at the provincial government, Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation, and Calgary Stampede, thank you for engaging and participating in this game-changing project. To all of our community partners, which includes our visioning group who advocated for this project while challenging us to get it right, you made this outcome better. And to my council colleagues, thank you for taking your commitment to public service to heart. Today marks 18 months since we were sworn in and look at what we have accomplished together. I asked a lot from you in 2022 when I asked you to support a new chance at getting this project done and again when I asked you to allow this process to take the time needed to build trust with our partners. We had a wide range of views on this project and through civil discourse we arrived not only at a clear decision but a unanimous decision. I value the work that we have done together and I value the team that we have all become. So let me now turn it over to a member of our council team, Councillor Sharp, who has headed up the Event Centre Committee and played an important role in today's announcement. 
Thank you for stepping up to the task, and thank you to the members of your committee for your work. I'll turn the mic over to you, Councillor Sharp. Wouldn't be Calgary if it wasn't windy in the afternoon. <laughs> Good afternoon, and thank you, Mayor. Thanks to Premier Smith, Mr. John Bean, Mr. Joel Crawley, members of the Event Center Committee, and my fellow members of Council, and all of you for being here today. I want everyone to take a moment and look around you. These grounds, the downtown, this entire city has taken shape in no small part due to the decision of four partners a century ago. Four local ranchers, the big four, agreed to help fund the greatest outdoor show on earth. A pretty risky and ambitious goal for a city of around 60,000 people at the time. From a city building perspective, the agreement made by four partners a century ago are an inflection point, decisions which help set up the future course of a city. And these inflection points are more than not supported by foundational infrastructure, an airport, a hospital, a water treatment plant, racetrack and grandstand, a museum. These are all vital building blocks of the city. And here we are, a little over 100 years, 1.3 million people later, and we have a new big four. The city, the province, Calgary Sports Entertainment Corporation, and the Calgary Stampede and Exhibition. We are four partners who are all agreed and determined to create a new inflection point to help guide the city's course over coming generations. Make no mistake, a new event center in Calgary is more than just a building. It is found, it's foundational infrastructure, a vital investment in our, in our city's future's prosperity, vibrancy, and growth. Today's announcement is a culmination of deliberate and thoughtful process, an enormous amount of teamwork and collaboration. The result is a project that's so much more than an event center. It's fulfilling a long-standing vision we've had for our downtown and our city. The goal for the Rivers District has been to create a vibrant destination for Calgarians and visitors alike, a district that attracts people, people year-round and throughout the day and night, a place where people come not just to take in a single event, but a place people come to experiment, experience, whether they're attending an event or not. The agreement we reach today will build on that destination. It includes an event center, indoor and outdoor public gathering spaces, and a community rink for public use. It's not a single venue or a single building. This is a district, and one that will serve every member of our community. The completed district will attract new people, more events, and greater investment. It'll play a key role in the redevelopment of East Victoria Park and Cal Calgary's downtown revitalization. And of course, it'll be home to the Calgary Flames. And other professional sports teams, along a broad variety of global and local artists and entertainment and events. It'll be home to local businesses, and a gathering place for community. This investment, supported by the government of Alberta, complements the city's efforts to transform downtown, and it will be critical to ensure that we can accommodate the added traffic and people that this project's gonna bring. The plan will also provide Stampede the funding to support its operations and support future investment to master the plan for Stampede Park. Our partnership, which brings together the public and private sectors mean we can invest in a new city infrastructure that would benefit Calgarians for generations to come, and I see you sitting over there. All of us, each of the partners involved in this project, believe in this city and its people. Our joint investment, public and private, isn't just an investment infrastructure, but in our city itself, in our community, and in our province. Without a doubt in my mind, this project will serve all Calgarians and visitors to our city from across Alberta and the world. 
And as proud as I am of this project, I am so proud on how we got here. The agreement we have today could only be possible through the effective governance that we had our skill and our skilled advisors. The Ascend Center Committee that is standing behind me has overseen an enormous effort from city administration and our deal structure advisors to ensure we put the right people and the right project before council for its approval and that passed unanimously today. Without these efforts, an agreement as impressive as the one we have today would have not been possible. Finally, thank you so much to the members of the Event Centre Committee, the Province of Alberta, Calgary Sports Entertainment Corporation, the Calgary Stampede, and all my colleagues on City Council for their ongoing support. I will now invite Premier Downhill Smith to the podium to make her remarks on behalf of the province, which is a key partner to this project. Thank you. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you, Councillor Sharp, for uh, the introduction, and quite an achievement to have this be a unanimous decision of council. Those don't happen often, so I, I think that shows an incredible amount of support for this deal, and Calgary, we did it. As someone who grew up in this beautiful city, I couldn't be any more excited than I am today. We all know that Calgary is one of the greatest places in the world to live and work and raise a family. But as the city grows towards 1.5 million people and beyond, it is critical that we invest in infrastructure to ensure that we are growing both, of our, both our economy and our quality of life. Over the past number of years, Calgary has been faced with the difficult problem of replacing the aging saddle dome and revitalizing the Rivers District and our downtown. Every day we delay finding a solution, more and more economic and cultural opportunities are lost and the risk of losing our beloved hockey team grows. And let me tell you, Calgary isn't Calgary without the Flames and Alberta isn't Alberta without the Battle of Alberta. I felt this way for a long time, and it's one of the first things I did when I was sworn in as Premier was to write to the city and Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation to encourage them to go back to the negotiating table. It's why I, I tasked MLA Rick McIver, to, as well as my office's Executive Director Rob Anderson, to work with the parties in identifying ways the province could assist the parties to reach a final agreement in a manner that's respectful to provincial taxpayers. We made it clear from the start that although the province would not invest in the actual construction or operation of the arena itself, that was the responsibility of the city and the flames, the province would be willing to invest in support of infrastructure for the arena, the stampede and the expanded BMO centre. So as part of our agreement with the city and the Calgary stampede, the province will be contributing up to $300 million. Most of it will be over the next three years for road and bridge construction, for LRT, for site utilities, for site reclamation, and other enabling infrastructure, including a community arena for amateur sports. These investments will not only service the new arena, but will be critical to the development of the entire area. It'll enhance access to the Stampede Grounds and the expanded BMO Construction Center, or a convention center, pardon me, and ensure a vibrant downtown and Rivers District. And thanks to that provincial contribution, combined with the significant commitments from the city, from CSEC, and from the Stampede, I'm here to report to you all with great excitement that we did get the Calgary Arena deal done. Calgary will be home to one of the greatest arena and event centers in all of North America, igniting a sports, entertainment, and cultural scene that will build a lifetime of memories for families and for visitors, and will generate billions in economic activity over the next several decades. We're also, uh, as I mentioned, partnering with the city to, through an additional investment of up to $30 million to build a new 1,000-seat community arena neighboring the main arena that will serve youth hockey players from all over the province and give them the special experience of playing their games where their heroes actually practice. But there is still one more hurdle in front of us as we get to the finish line. After the election, the province's contribution to this arena deal must be approved by Provincial Cabinet and the Treasury Board before the end of summer. That's why on May 29th, I'm hoping Calgarians give our UCP government a clear mandate to proceed with this arena deal. Calgary, 
it's time to move on with this project. We can't afford to go back. In closing, I want to thank everyone who was involved in getting this project to the finish line, including MLA Rick McIver, Mayor Jody Gondek, Councillor Sonia Sharp, and of course, the Calgary Flames through John Bean and CSEC and the Calgary Stampede, the NHL, and everyone else who had a hand in this great achievement. Now to all my friends here today, it's time to do what Albertans and Calgarians are known for. Let's get her done. I want to be back here in a few years from now watching a game sitting in a brand new world-class arena, watching a seven-game battle of Alberta for all the ages, and I can't wait to get started. Thank you, uh, and let's keep moving Al Calgary and Alberta forward. And might I just say, I know this is a great day for the Flames, but for tonight, let's go Oilers. <laughs> Thank you very much, Premier. Thanks for sneaking that in on our home turf. I would now like to call on the President and CEO of Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation, John Bean. Uh, good afternoon. Well, that's a tough act to follow. She had me till the very end when it was that little pitch that just kind of that's, uh, tough to swallow, actually. Anyway, thanks everyone for coming this afternoon. Uh, we are really excited today to be part of an announcement where we're going to have the new home of the Calgary Flames, the Calgary Hitmen, the Calgary Roughnecks, and the Calgary Wranglers. And this announcement will help us put Calgary and the province back on the map for major concerts. There's no doubt about it that, and we've heard this from our friends in the north, who we compete with fiercely on the ice, that they were getting messaging that some of the big acts won't actually come over the Rockies because they could only get Edmonton. And if they get to Edmonton and Calgary, they'd come back. We were counting the number of concerts that weren't coming here that were going to Edmonton, but we were missing counting some concerts that weren't coming to Alberta. So we're really excited about that. And as has been previously mentioned, um, you know what, we were so excited to be part of having a community rink part of the main arena. There's nothing more special than seeing these young kids right over there knowing that they're going to scratch the same ice surface that some of those wily veterans sitting next to them and some of our current players. We couldn't be more excited and it's going to be totally cool for you guys to have that experience. Premier Smith, thanks to you and the province for stepping up and helping with major infrastructure funding for the entire district. An enhanced transportation infrastructure will ensure everyone attending an event at the Convention Center, Stampede Park or the new event center has a great all-around experience. And I think a lot of us can talk about the experience we have today, coming and going, and thinking about a new underpass on 6th, thinking about three lanes coming in on 17th, thinking about lanes down Joel's land to the south to 25th. That all works. That all works really well and is really going to help improve everyone's experience, whether they're coming to a convention or a concert. Mayor Gondek, Councillor Sharp, City Administration, and President Cowley, thank you all for your leadership and your assistance in helping to create a clear path to bring a new event center to Calgary. We'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge our ownership group who have made a substantial commitment of funding towards a new event center. And while there are many ups and downs to professional sports, there can be no doubt that our ownership group wants to win championships for all of our fans in Calgary. Members of the Flames Foundation are also excited to hear the news since inception, the Flames Foundation has distributed over $55 million to charities throughout Southern Alberta in support of education, health and wellness, and amateur sport. And finally, we actually talked to Commissioner Gary Bettman today, and he too is excited to hear the news. And uh, he said we're now going to be in a rotation for the NHL draft and the NHL All-Star Games, which are all really awesome bits of news. So before I conclude, I think it's really important that we recognize how challenging it is to be a leader in the public realm in 2023. Whether you're leading your ward, your city, or your province, you're always subject to intense scrutiny. We appreciate all that you do to help make our communities better. We'd like to call up members of our foundation program to please present a special gift to our three public leaders who are with us today. Thank you.
so excited about my gift. Um, I would now like to call up the CEO of Calgary Exhibition and Stampede, Joel Cowley. Thank you, Mayor. And uh, Premier Smith, I hate to deny you a Game 7, but I'm calling it Flames in Five. <laughs> this is really an exciting day for the City of Calgary, and the Calgary Stampede is honored to be a part of it. So I'm joined here today by our President and Chair of the Board, Mr. Will Oster, members of our Volunteer Board of Directors, and a number of our senior staff at the Calgary Stampede. You know, along with the uh, BMO Center expansion, which you see behind me and remains on time and on budget, an event center complex will truly create an anchor for the Rivers District. And it will serve to foster and expedite the type of development that is needed to bring the vision of the Culture and Entertainment District to fruition. And not only will it serve the citizens of Calgary, but it will provide us with the means to attract and host the world. We are so happy that the Calgary Flames will be moving into a brand new home that will keep them in Calgary for decades. The Calgary Stampede has enjoyed a, a great relationship with our neighbors, the Calgary Flames, since they moved here to Stampede Park over 40 years ago. And we are very, very excited to continue that relationship with the Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation as they move from Stampede Park and become our new neighbors to the north. The, on behalf of the Calgary Stampede, our employees, and our volunteers, I want to thank the Government of Alberta, the City of Calgary, and the Calgary Sports and Entertainment Corporation for their commitment to and their support of the Calgary community. Thank you. Thank you, Joel, and thank you, everyone, for being here. Congratulations to all the partners. Congratulations to everyone who had a role to play. This is a great day for our city. I'm now going to turn, over, turn it over to Jose Rodriguez to field questions from the media. I will, I will not be fielding questions from the media, but I will happily allow the media to ask some questions. Uh, so, members of the media, there are two microphones located at the back. If you just want to line up there, we'd ask that you ask your question at the microphone so that up by everybody's recording. Uh, please identify yourself, your outlet, and who uh, Eric Francis from Sportsnet. Just wondering uh, timelines. When do you expect to have a shovel in the ground? When do you expect to, to open the building? And in terms of the building itself, how much bigger is the scope of the arena compared to what it was in the previous incarnation? Thanks very much for that question. I think the important thing to point out here is that we are at agreements in principle. We are going to be moving to definitive agreements. That's the goal. That's the very next step. Once we get to that stage, we'll be able to talk about design, construction, number of jobs, all of those things. So if you just give us a little bit of time to get those agreements signed and have, have uh, uh, definitive agreements in place, that's when we'll be able to share more information with you. Um, the difference between what we are doing today and what we had envisioned in the past, we're not focused on a singular facility. We are focused on actually bringing an entire district to life and it also includes the type of improvements that people need when they're experiencing an event, when they're going to and from it. There's a community facility, smaller arena, so it's much bigger in terms of scale and it's actually much more invested in the community. Thank you. Hi, Brody Thomas with Post Media. Um, I guess my question uh, is for someone with the city I'm wondering um, what happens if, um, as uh, Premier Smith said, if, if uh, the UCP doesn't win the election, what does that mean for um, this funding, this uh, 300 plus million that the province is shipping in? Thank you for the question. Um, I think that we all, um, you know, very much realize that the money is coming from the government of Alberta, regardless of a party. Um, we're talking about a government and we uh, as a committee and as a city and as a council would expect that the next party if they're in place would honor that Hi there Darren Krause with Livewire Calgary. Uh, I'm guessing this is a question for the event center committee The original building was somewhere in the neighborhood of 600 million dollars. We're now looking at 800 million dollars and my back of napkin math, which I'm no mathematician but the city looks like they are covering the vast majority of the increase in the event center cost. 
is that inflationary or was that just part of the deal and some of the other partners are coming to the table to fund some of the other uh, aspects of this deal? I think one thing that everybody has to uh, realize and recognize that lots of this new building is actually city infrastructure and it's a city facility. Um, so what you see are the cost breakdowns. Of course, inflation and you know time has gone on and things have gone more expensive and that's not news to anyone. So what you're seeing right now is um, the cost of moving forward with this new event center in the area. I just want to ask a follow-up. Uh, for some of the extra items, uh, I know that there have been uh, discussions in the past about when some of these things could come up. Um, are we expecting the full package to be delivered or will there be a, a staging of some of these things, whether it's the uh, public realm, the enclosed area, the community arena, will it all be done at once or do you expect it to happen over a number of years? Are you talking about staging the construction of the event center? Of the, uh, of the different components. So like okay. the community rink, is it all going to be one package or will it be separated out? So what we'll do is we'll um, definitely today we're, we're talking about the, the agreements in principle. As we move forward to the uh, definitive agreements, more and more will be released. Uh, like Mayor Bondex said, just be patient. Uh, this is one more step in the milestone um, of the project. Thank you. Alana, Alana, we just got two lines. Oh, I didn't see. Mr. Barco. Hi, I think this is a question for the mayor. Mayor, uh, three years ago we were, I guess, at the same place making this announcement in the same location. So what is different this time that gives you confidence that it's actually going to get across the finish line? This time, we have laid out everything that needs to be done to ensure that this is a community building process and that the project itself is bigger than one facility. So the event center and the community arena are one component of building out this district. The infrastructure that previously wasn't talked about is now on display. We know we need a sixth street underpass. We know we need roadway improvements. We know there's many things that we need to do to bring this area to life. And that is transparent to every partner that is here. We all understand what the obligations are to deliver on a community capacity building project. What are the other things that this is going to allow you to do in the Rivers District? Can you maybe lay out a time frame on when you would envision those things happen? The greatest feature of what we are doing is that this type of investment invites other investments. I have no doubt that there will be interest from hotels, there will be interest from residential and commercial developers. That's what allows this district to build out and that is the key to the Rivers District. We have something called a community revitalization levy. Right now, the tax uplift that we have stays in this area. When that revitalization levy concludes, the tax uplift flows to all of Calgary. All Calgarians stand to benefit from this type of a project coming to life. Thank you. We'll go to Alana and then call up. Sorry about that, <laughs> Alana Smith, Boven Rail. Uh, I don't know who can answer this question, but can anybody speak to the surrounding development plans and who holds those development rights and then how that kind of played a role in this deal? Thanks very much for that question. Um, because we are still at definitive agreement stage, once that's done, we'll be able to take a look at who's interested in what parcels, whether it's part of this project or it's in the Rivers District writ large. And it's going to be um, a decision of, of who is our construction partner, who's going to be doing the infrastructure work. All of those things are yet to come. So I wish I could give you an answer right now. Uh, we just haven't gotten to that stage yet. Thanks. If I could have another question for Premier Smith. So $30, $330 million commitment from the province for this arena deal, uh, that's a lot of money. I'm just wondering how you would defend that investment to Albertans outside of Calgary and just take us through those conversations that were happening since you became leader up until now. Sure. When uh, we released our budget, it uh, was we showed that we were investing about $3.1 billion in capital in Edmonton and $2.9 billion in Calgary. And part of that was that we were hoping that we'd be able to find a way to bridge the gap between the the team and the city in being able to, to support them in their infrastructure development. There's been lots of proposals about how we can assist in revitalizing Calgary, especially in the downtown area. And we felt that this would be the, the absolute best way to do it because it is investing in public infrastructure, it's helping to build out an entire district, 
it um, brings in the partners of the Calgary Stampede, and I think it's going to turn this entire area, especially when it's connected with the, both the green line as well as the red line as major stops, it's, it's going to, it's, it is really going to do an amazing job of revitalizing this part of downtown. So I, I felt like we were, uh, had a little bit more work that we needed to do in, in Calgary just to be able to bridge that gap. That being said, we also know that in Edmonton they have a, a stage two project that they want to advance for the uh, the Oilers group, and so we're we're prepared to have a, a conversation as well if there's additional work that we need to do in Edmonton, so that both of our downtowns in Calgary and Edmonton can grow together. The uh, I think the I think people expect that the province is going to do these kinds of major infrastructure investments. We partnered on LRT. We've partnered on building the ring road, we partnered on expanding uh, out the, or uh, accelerating the work on Deerfoot. So the, when you're investing in roads and bridges and underpasses and LRT, I think that that has a, a widespread community support. This is also for Premier Smith, so you can stay up there. It's Colette Doors from the Canadian Press. I see uh, Mayor Sohi is holding a, a news conference this afternoon to talk about this. Um, if you could just explain, you guys, I don't think, put money into the Edmonton Arena, which also has a community arena component. Yeah. So if you could just explain um, to Mayor Sohi what, uh, what you're thinking here. Well, I, I have talked to a, co a council member in Edmonton to let them know that we, we understand that when the Edmonton Arena came together, it was a different group of players, different place, different time, different agreement. And I don't know if they had asked for a provincial partner at that time. They were able to come to an agreement on their own. Now they've got significant issues in Edmonton the, uh, for, the, for the Oilers' phase two expansion to go ahead. They, uh, they do need to have some assistance with infrastructure as well as there's a, a Boyle Street facility that, uh, that uh, is going to be moved. And so there's a, a few things that we can do to assist Edmonton. We, we want both of our cities to have vibrant downtowns. And so we stand open, ready to help if there are specific infrastructure asks in, in Edmonton. But one of the things I would say about the, uh, the, the Rogers Place, they do have a community arena, which is so popular, so valuable. A lot of the amateur teams are there. And I'm just delighted that that's going to be part of this project as well. And just to follow up, um, how much does the timing of this announcement um, correspond to the election? Did you apply any pressure for them to get it done sooner rather than later? You know, I would have loved to have, for it to have been done months ago, but I, I think it is pretty clear that um, this is an important decision. It's a big amount of money. We wanted to make sure that uh, it could be debated during the election, and we hope that we'd be able to get an, a mandate from the people of Calgary to go ahead with it. So I think it's important that it's out there so it can be debated, it can be discussed, and I'm, I'm hopeful that we get a lot of support. Thank you. Uh, Ryan Pike, Nation Network. Uh, this is Apology for, uh, for Councillor Sharper, Mayor Gondick. Uh, just looking at the, the handy map you handed out, uh, there's a 5A Street uh, label that doesn't exist right now. Is the intention for, I guess, this portion of land to sort of be jutted out a bit and added to, to uh, have the footprint for the new facility? Thank you very much for that question. There is going to be some movement of roadways, and uh, that's what you're seeing on that map. Again, once we get to the definitive agreement stage and we start looking at what is in the best interest of movement, both um, you know for pedestrians as well as vehicles, uh, that's when we will get to the, the business of figuring out which roads go where. And I guess a, a follow-up to that, uh, given that you're sort of building on more or less the same land and you're building very similar to the, some of the things we were building earlier in the prior incarnation. Uh, it, do you have an idea yet of how much of the previous design work or how much of the previous, uh, previous development permitting work would be able to be continued or how much of it needs to be started? Development permits are generally tied to the design that goes along with them. That is not before us at this moment. So once again, once definitive uh, agreements are in place, we will be looking at design work. We'll be figuring out what the best thing to do in this space is, along with all of our partners. Thank you. Thank you. Question for the mayor, or your designate. Um, Scott Dibble from CPC. Um, this significant cost escalation from the city side of things. Can you tell us a bit about the sourcing of that money, and in particular, if it will get to uh, property taxes? Thanks for the question. Um, this is a cash deal with the, from the city portion. Um, so what you would be seeing is the allocated funding that we had for the previous deal was already there. Um, that's been transparent. The new money that's added on is cash uh, from the fiscal stability. I always get that one wrong. Stability reserve, FSR. Okay. No added taxes to taxpayers. That's the question. There's the answer. Okay. And I had a question for Mr. Bean as well. 
Um, just wondering if you can do just a bit of a, a contrast and compare with the announcement today how that would compare with the previous agreement. Uh, I think uh, what you've heard earlier from a number of the speakers is that what we're talking about here is quite a bit uh, uh, larger scope of project, uh, well beyond a narrow event center um, with the community arena. Um, and then the indoor and outdoor gathering places, those are real community-centric focus that we didn't have. Our community gathering place on the old concept was really to close down Stanty Trail, which kind of practically doesn't work when you take a step back. So, so to have to have event center with a community arena and then all the gathering place, that there's quite a bit uh, larger scope, and uh, so that would be the biggest difference. Hi there, Jordan Cannigan with CTV News. This is either for the Mayor or Councillor Sharp. Uh, looking at the proposed design and, and outline already, uh, the saddle dome is going to be torn down. Who's covering that cost? What is that cost? I know previously in the deal it was around $15 million, 12 and a half was covered by the city. What is that cost now? Uh, once again, we will be looking at costs and we'll be looking at allocating um, that responsibility to folks as we're going through definitive agreements. I know I keep saying that. I know it's frustrating to everybody, but once we get through the definitive agreement stage, we'll have much more to share with you. So just to clarify, though, would it be built into these costs that are already there to be figured out later, or will that demolition cost be outside of what has already been pledged by any of the... I would imagine that the negotiations have included um, a conversation around that and once again when we get to the place that we can uh, release the documents to you you'll be able to see how it's going to be covered. Thanks. A question for, for a city representative. Um, when it comes to the previous deal we know we heard a lot about fresh start in this work. How much of the previous work from the previous deal is included in this and so are we a bit further ahead? Uh, based on that previous work and when it comes to this land here. So what I'll say is, uh, yeah, it was a fresh start. We, we really had to look at all lessons learned. Um, what was used, well, I can tell you, a team of people that understood the deals before, what kind of didn't work out, what we needed to be done, um, uh, you know, things that you could have utilized, but a fresh start um, really did mean this is going to be a new project. You can't even compare the two um, at this point, uh, but we did utilize as much information to get us to where we could at this point. Rick, Rick Bell, Calgary Sun. Uh, for Premier Smith, no surprise. <clears throat> you mentioned a couple of times the election, the uh, political battle of Alberta that starts on Monday. How big a part do you think this arena, this event center, Rivers District deal will play in the election? And what will be you be telling people in Calgary? What will be your message to them when you are seeking their vote on May 29th with respect to this deal? Well, here's what I'd say. There was a unanimous vote of council. I would love for there to be unanimous support for this deal as well, regardless of what the political parties are, because I think this is important for Calgary. We've all been spending an awful lot of time looking at some of the difficulties both of our um, our large cities have been having um, and what we can do to be able to assist. We've got different ideas about how to do this and I, f I felt like this would be the, the very best thing that we could do for Calgary is to make sure that we did whatever it took to bridge the gap so that the, the two negotiating partners could get back to the table and I, I uh, get the very strong sense that there was grave disappointment when the, the deal didn't come together before and that there was a lot of enthusiasm for us to, to do what we could to help get it restarted. We've been watching this for a number of months now and I'm just delighted that all of the players were able to. I, I think that this is going to be fantastic for Calgary. And, uh... The supplementary is uh, you I think you mentioned that uh, if you want to see this deal go through to fruition vote vote for the UCP do you have any sense that anybody would kibosh this deal if, if, if you're not going to but do you actually think uh, this deal is it is necessary for you to get reelected for this deal to happen look I, I think that this deal should go ahead uh, regardless. When, when you look at how we're intending to fund it, it would be over three years, uh, $100 million a year. That This is the kind of thing that the province invests in all the time. 
is the kind of thing that the, the city has been asking for is how we can assist in, in, in helping to revitalize uh, downtown Calgary. This is a really vital district for, for, the, for the city. It's vital for us to, to support the, the flames. It's vital for us to make sure we continue to have the, the Battle of Alberta. And I, w I would just hope that uh, we'd have the same spirit of unanimity that, that the council had. I think everybody on council put their partisan interests aside and uh, put the city first. And I would hope that we could see the same thing happen at the provincial level as well. Just a quick question for John Bean. Uh, John, I'm wondering, and I understand what we've heard about the agreements need to be finalized, but I, I'm just curious if everything goes according to plan, when or what season you could see the flames moving into this new building. Wes, have you not been listening to these learned <laughs> colleagues here? And I know I'm a rookie up here, but I think that's been asked and answered. <laughs> All right, that will do it. The Q&A portion wrapped up. Here is what we know when it's all said and done. $1.223 billion total for this agreement in principle for the Rivers District Master Plan that will include an arena or an event center, a community arena slash practice arena, and all kinds of infrastructure for a hub in... Southeast Calgary and the Southeast side of downtown. It will obviously be in partnership and, and right in there with the BMO Center expansion and all of what they're doing in the Victoria Park area. It's exciting. The numbers break down. $537 million committed by the city of Calgary. $356 million committed by Calgary Sports and Entertainment. And 330 or as Premier Smith said, up to $330 million from the province of Alberta. Interesting, and I know there's a lot of things that we all have questions about, which we don't have answers on yet, and and respectfully, uh, our mayor, our premier, uh, weren't able to give definitive timelines or definitive answers on certain costs and design things and all that type of stuff, but we have an agreement in principle. $1.223 billion is the total cost of this agreement in principle. And there you have it. This hour of Flames Talk wrapping up from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement-y. Visit DLBasementSystemsCalgary.com.